Hello everyone, hello my beautiful angels. Today, uh, this episode is going to be all about turning failure into your ally. It's kind of, what I want to explain to you guys is this kind of innate thing that we have built into us and I think we've perpetuated it even worse just with society and with how we treat failure and how we perceive failure, how avoiding losses actually makes you lose so much more in your life. And I'm going to go into that obviously in a whole lot more detail, but it is really interesting. And once you kind of grasp this concept and understand why that is the case, then you're able to be a bit more aware of what's going on and you're going to get better at cutting your losses, knowing when to take risks that are going to benefit you and knowing when to stop partaking in a behavior, kind of like quit, how to know how to quit when you are still ahead kind of thing. So I'm going to break that all down. Um, I'm not going to give you too much of an update other than I'm literally now going to, in the near future, I'm going to start filming my episodes, my podcast episodes. So it's going to be a really big transitional period for me because I'm so used to just kind of recording the episodes wherever I want, just plugging in the roadcaster to my computer and directly recording it. I can kind of, when I make a mistake, I just stop. I can take a break. I fuck around, return back to it. It's a very, very, very casual event. If you saw it, you would just, you would be either surprised or impressed because it's just, I can literally just be lounging around in my pajamas, rolling out of bed, recording it or, you know, Anyway, now I'm going to be filming these episodes and it's going to be full episodes, but I also want to have like more like short snippets of the episodes. So there's like key moments that I can edit and crop and share them on my social media and things like that. So I think it's going to be really beneficial for me to be actually filming it, but I want to do it properly. So I went out this weekend and I started getting all the equipment that I need to get and then going down these deep, deep, deep rabbit holes of learning how to operate, you know, all the different bits and pieces that I bought, cameras, lenses, all that stuff. I used to actually do a little bit, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't go so far as to say a lot, but quite a bit with cameras and stuff because when I was in my early 20s, I was doing a bit of acting with my friends and pretty much, do you know what? My favorite part of the, my entire time that I was trying to dedicate my life to acting was when I was writing and creating short like skits and films with my friends. That was actually the funnest time. And that's when, you know, we were getting lenses and cameras and editing things together and filming it. That was actually the best time of doing it. I pretty much didn't enjoy much of anything else that I did in the <laughs> lol in the acting industry, I just found it very anxiety provoking for me. But anyway, so I had a bit of knowledge there from the cameras, very, very, very basic knowledge, but I had that and kind of that passion's kind of, that interest has, you know, been peaked now again. So it is pretty exciting to be setting it all up and I'm going to have this permanent setup because you guys know that I've moved places. So I'm going to have this permanent setup in part of my new kind of office space where it's going to have the lighting, cameras, everything's permanently there so I can just go in, switch it on, record the app when I'm ready to go so I don't have to do this hectic setup back and forth every time I want to record a podcast. So that's pretty much my life update. Um, But I will be letting you know, obviously I'll be letting you know when that is happening. So yes, no brain fact today, no specific scientific brain fact. We're going to dive straight into this episode. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about with you guys is the concept of loss aversion. I think it's really important to understand what loss aversion is in order for you to 
kind of work with yourself a little bit better um, and work with your failures a whole lot better. I want you to become, I want failure to be your ally. I want you to look at failure as like, it is what it is kind of thing. Learn to deal with it, learn to accept it. And once you listen to what I have to say, you're going to realize how much you will gain in your life when you become okay with failing. When you almost factor failure into your future so you can get so much further, you can achieve so much more and you can be so much happier in the process of doing all of that. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what is loss aversion? Loss aversion is this concept and you can look it up, there's so much shit on it, but it's this idea slash fact, it's a fact that we prefer to avoid losses more than we prefer to acquire gains, okay? To the extent that the feeling of losing something, that emotional, you know, roller coaster that you go through when you lose something is twice as intense, reportedly, twice as intense as that emotional feeling you get when you gain something. So we know that the feeling is so much more intense to lose something than it is to gain something. So we would prefer prefer not to lose instead of gaining. So in general, this means that you're going to be less likely to take a risk if it means protecting what you have. So, you know that saying of, you know, I'm going to do what I've got nothing to lose. That's kind of obviously, it's pretty fucking obvious that that makes sense. When you have nothing to lose, you can risk so much more because humans hate losing. This idea of loss for us, whether it be a job, a relationship, time spent on something, um, whatever the fuck it is that your money that you could be losing, we hate to lose. So when we're in a position to risk something, to, to get something, to you know move cities or change jobs or whatever, if there's something to lose, we're going to be very aversive to it. We're going to avoid it at all costs. But if you're in a position where you have no relationships, no jobs, you're literally, you've hit rock bottom, you have nothing to lose. So of course, you're going to be way more willing to throw yourself out there because what are you risking? Really? What are you risking? And this leads to bad decisions. This this loss aversion actually leads to bad decisions, bad financial decisions, bad relationships, relationship decisions. Because you start going getting into really extreme measures to recover your losses, to recover what you've already lost. And then you end up losing more in the process. You end up losing more time by trying to recover what time you've already lost. Or you end up losing more money. This You see this in gambling all the time. You end up losing more money trying to recover your initial loss because you're so focused on this loss aversion. I don't want to lose that. Then when you start losing it, you become so so disproportionately invested in recovering that loss instead of cutting those losses and finding ways to gain elsewhere. You don't really see that perspective. You think, let's fix this problem here and let's keep digging myself deeper and deeper into a hole, which then makes you get into really risky behavior that's not serving you. It's not like I'm all for taking, you know, calculated risks, but this is different to that. You're no longer looking at like you're no longer looking at it coldly. You're no longer calculating it. And again, gambling is always just going to be the best example of that. You might say, you know, someone who's not really gets that involved in gambling, you know, like I'm talking about like pokies or going to the casino or whatever. You might say, "Look, I'm going to bet $100. If I lose the $100, I pull out." Whereas someone might someone else who's, you know, more loss aversive might enter the casino saying, I'm going to bet $100. 
But in that time, you get up to $1,000. So you think, okay, well, I haven't lost anything. I'm going, and then it starts to plummet, plummet, plummet. And then you're, you're down to, you know, your original $10. And then you get back down to zero. In your head, you're thinking, well, I was, I was doing so well. Now I've lost $1,000. You don't look at it as I've lost $100. i have now lost 1000 even though you really haven't. You've lost the 100 that you walked in there with. So then you start gambling more than what you originally thought that you were going to invest because you're trying to recover that quote unquote big loss that you had in your head, which was this thousand dollars that you got up to and now lost. So now you're taking bigger and bigger risks than what you initially decided on when you walked into the place. You're perceiving that loss as something that needs to be recovered. Okay. So you're not weighing up the pros and cons properly. You're not planning how you're going to go about it properly. And that's where, you know, a lot of apps, gambling companies, I understand the psychology behind this a lot, okay? And they can use that um, against you. Obviously, they're a money-making business. They're going to use that against you. Um, and this is also different to something called risk aversion. Risk aversion is just someone that's going to avoid any risk at any cost. It's not necessarily tied to gains or losses. It's just people that like to do everything quite conservatively. They're not going to put themselves out there. They're not going to bet on something. They're not going to, you know, um, audition for something or try out for something, whether it's a gain or whether it's a loss. So it is different to risk aversion. Someone that's, um, you know, risk aversive is someone that's also probably going to struggle to make decisions if there's any kind of risk involved, whether it's a gain or a loss. Now, I also want to go into something called prospect theory. And this is the idea that people are going to take a greater risk to avoid losing something than a risk you would have taken to gain that thing in the first place. So this happens massively when people do something unethical to stay at the top of their game. Okay, so this could be or, or to keep a job or to keep their um to keep their reputation or their status. And this is also where people are going to commit fraud or bigger crimes to not get caught out. So the original crime that this person started off in, like say they're taking a little bit of money here and there, it might not have been extreme or large in scale as far as, you know, fraud goes. But then when when people are investigating them, the, the steps they're going to take to cover up their tracks are probably more extreme than the things they did originally, okay? So this happens in, you know, money fraud and things like that. People start taking really extreme measures not to get caught out. But it's a measure that they probably would have never taken starting out. So for example, if you were to say to this person, okay, you're willing to, morally, you're willing to steal this much money here and there because it's probably not felt by a lot of people. You think that you're not hurting too many people. Morally, you're okay with that level of theft, right? But if you were to tell them, actually, you're going to have to start forging papers, you're going to have to start, um, you know, fudging all these different, you know, numbers and whatever, so you don't get caught out. Are you willing to do that now? If you told them, so someone who starts off as fraud, they start small, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And often the biggest things are to cover up their tracks. But if you were to say at the beginning of time, at the very beginning, before they started the fraud, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to forge documents? Most people would be like, Fuck no, because they're in a position where they've yet to lose anything and they're yet to lose their reputation or whatever. So they would look at that as way too big a risk because at the where you look at it from the, the ground point, they've not yet gained or lost anything. If you look at those like big Ponzi schemes like Bernie Madoff and all of that, the stuff he started doing at the very end was primarily to be covering 
his tracks or a lot of a lot of these these people that do that get the really extreme stuff ends up being more so to cover their tracks of what they've done it's not really at the end of it it's not really for more financial gain and this is where prospect theory and loss aversion really is a great example because you realize if that person had admitted and cut their losses years earlier, they might do a little bit of time in prison or they might have even been able to get away with it but not made nearly enough money, you know, but it's this idea that they want to recover their losses or they want to recover like save face or recover their reputation. So they'll dig deeper and deeper and deeper and they end up being like the biggest fraud that ever lived when they were just trying to initially just make a little bit of money on the side. It ends up getting completely out of hand and this is what loss aversion is. Now, we do this. We're not, might be, we're not frauds. All of us aren't frauds. But we do this a lot in our lives as when it comes to time where we will invest so much more time in something so much more time in something. Like it's, it's embarrassing to even look back and admit it to ourselves a lot of the time when it's no longer serving us because we think I've lost this much time that I can't quit now. I can't admit that I lost all this time doing something, investing all this time and energy in this thing and then just, just throw the towel in and be like, it's done. People don't like admitting that. And look at relationships, for example. Say you're in a relationship that's now gone on for eight years, ten years, okay? And the relationship is a fucking piece of shit. Like it's a fucking shit house. But you're thinking, I've invested ten years in this cunt. Now I'm going to have to stick it out. I'm going to have to work really hard for it. I'm going to have to, you know, try and make it work. Let's start a family. Let's do this. Let's do that. Because I can't fathom the idea of, quote, unquote, throwing in the towel, even though that's not what you're doing. You're just ending something at a time that it's supposed to end. But throwing in the towel, you're telling yourself that you're giving up because you can't fathom losing the 10 years of this relationship, okay? When in reality, you haven't lost shit. You still lived for those 10 years. Those 10 years still happened. You existed and you had a relationship. They're not, you're only here where you are now. Nothing's been lost, but that's how you look at it in your head. Whereas if you take a snapshot of your relationship now, 10 years down the track, in one that's not working for you, you're not in love with this person anymore, you're fighting or it's toxic or no one's giving each other attention. If you were to look at that now after 10 years and 10 years earlier when you were starting the relationship, someone said, hey, do you want to enter this relationship where there's no love, where there's no affection, where you're fighting all the time and possibly there's cheating going down? Is, does that look like a good idea to you? You would be like, no, that's not tempting. I'm not fucking tempted. I don't want to enter that relationship. But funny how 10 years later, you'll fight like crazy to keep that shitty fucking relationship surviving because you don't want to admit your loss. So that is where loss aversion comes into relationships. You do anything to keep the shittiest fucking relationship alive because you don't want to admit that you've lost the years of the relationship that's already passed. Another example of this loss aversion is those people that are fucking pathological liars, right? And they'll keep lying and lying and digging themselves into a deeper, 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 deeper ditch and they end up becoming so extreme with their lies to not lose their friends. And when their friends start doubting them, they then get even more extreme with their lies for pity so they keep their friends, like those people that fake cancer and fake going through chemo and that they're about to die and then they resurrect and they get all this support and whether it's emotional and financial support because they are now terrified that they're going to lose 
these people that they have to get more and more and more extreme in order to keep those people there. That's another example of really extreme version of emotional loss aversion. But if they didn't have that in the first place, like if they didn't have, you know, these this community that rallied around them in the first place and you said to them, hey, do you want to fake cancer and chemo to get this community around you? Most people are going to say no. Most people are going to be like, that is psychotic behavior. Why the fuck would I do that? But it's this slow burn that gets people to where they are. And the reason they become so extreme is to avoid further loss. So that's a a really good way of understanding how our minds work. Most extreme behavior that you see in pathological liars and in in con artists and in people that commit fraud, most of that behavior was a kind of a slow burn to get there. They didn't have that mentality or that psychology when they started out lying and cheating. And then of course we do it in things like jobs. If you have a job that you're so wrapped up in, the thought of losing that job is scary. You're unsure what other jobs are out there. You don't want to risk, you know, getting rid of this job and trying something new and then not being at that status level. You don't know what this could mean for future jobs for you. So you end up having this terrible work-life balance. You end up working like crazy hours throughout the day in this job that you're not really loving because at the very least you've got some level of status or experience in that job, even if you hate it, but you're worried to lose what you've already achieved. So you stick it out. So instead of thinking, I'd rather make a little bit less money, be more inexperienced or less experienced, whatever you want to call it, in another job, but potentially happy. No, I'm going to stay in this job that's made me miserable for years. But because I've got some sort of status, I'm going to stay here to be miserable for more years to come to avoid in your head to avoid feeling that you've lost something. Despite the fact that you're now investing more time into a loss, you can't cut your losses. You think, no, 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 no. I can't admit that that was a loss. So I'm going to invest more and more and more of my life into this thing that's making me miserable. Now, another huge problem with loss aversion is that it keeps you in a place that you don't want to be at. Okay? Look at where you are in your life or look at times in your past where you've stayed somewhere for longer than you wanted to be at. And this could be to save face. It could be to save your image. It could be out of fear that other options aren't going to work out. It could be out of fear of being alone, out of fear of, you know, not having a partner, even though you hate this partner or you hate the relationship that you have with this partner. And you fucking cock block yourself from experiencing new and exciting things in your life. It stops you from taking action. It stops you from getting to new places in your life because you get so accustomed to certain things in your life that you struggle to let go of it. You don't want to lose it, even if it doesn't serve you anymore. So it's this really fucked up kind of mentality that we, that we have to this attachment to what already exists in our lives, okay? This this massively comes down to our identity. And I always talk about be less attached, do less when it comes to your your description of who you are and what you identify with, okay? If something's not serving you, why are you identifying so heavily with it? And often it's because there's so many layers behind it. It's this idea of like, oh, but I've got this community because of this job or because of this relationship. I've got these friends because of this. I've got this lifestyle because of this. And so you start attaching and layering so much of your life and who you are as a person to the relationships and the jobs that you have. 
Now, loss aversion is not always the worst thing in the world. Obviously, we need to have a certain level of loss aversion to protect what we have. You just need to identify when it's now not serving you, when it's getting to the point. One thing is to protect what you have so you don't lose it. That's fine. In other words, protect your savings so you're not losing all your savings and spending it willy-nilly and all this fucking shit, okay? That's fine. Loss aversion becomes a problem when you are willing to lose more to recoup what you've already lost. That is the problem when it comes to time, when it comes to money, when it comes to relationships and skills, whatever. You're willing to lose more to regain something you've already lost. This is the idea of when you really have to learn how to cut your losses. And this comes down to being able to look at something and identifying what are the pros, what are the cons and kind of where's my limit. And this is really good if you're embarking on something new to always understand what is your limit, what is your tap out point, whether it's financial or time-wise, that you're going to absolutely tap out no matter what, no matter what temptations, no matter what, if this doesn't happen by this point and if, and if I'm not happy, I'm pulling out. It's fine to be in a life situation like let's say you started a new job and you had a goal to get to X amount. If you're loving it and you didn't reach the goal but you're now happy – obviously stay. You've got to have a mix between how you're feeling and what you're experiencing as far as what you're gaining from it or losing from it. Now let's move on to just failure in general. There's, I think there's a really bad thing that's going on and not just, I think this has gone on for a very long time. I don't think this is something recent, but it's just something that you hear all the time and it's this intense hatred towards Something not working out towards failure, This towards the ability to admit your own mistakes as far as when something didn't work out for you. We have, society has such an intense aversion to failure, it's toxic. This idea, this saying that I hate so much is the only way to fail is to quit. That's bullshit. The only way to fail at something is to not do something. You failed to take action. Quitting something in many times in your life is probably the best thing you can do for yourself. It's one of the best things you can do for your mental health at times is to quit something that doesn't serve you. One of the best things you can do is to identify what does and doesn't serve you and to ask yourself this question all the time. To let go of something, to stop doing something is very healthy. And I really hate this idea that society has of like, you're a quitter, you know, you can't fail if you don't if you don't stop trying all that shit toxic fucking shit it's delusional it makes you think that failing at something is the worst thing ever so it makes you more and more aversive to failing and this ties heavily into loss aversion because it makes you think well as long as I keep going no one can say that I failed as long as I keep going at this I can't even say that I failed and I use acting as an example for myself because that's something I used to want to do you know back in the day um if, if I just put my hand up at a certain point years earlier and said, you know what, I quit, fuck this shit, fuck this shit, I don't want to do it, it's not working for me, I'm not getting anything, I'm not getting anywhere, it's giving me anxiety, it's all I'm gaining is fucking anxiety, so I quit, you know, but 
in my head, I would think, wait a minute, but if I keep going and going and going and going, I've not really failed at this career and I'm not, I'm not a quitter, right? Because I'm still here. It's not working for me. I'm not enjoying it in, anymore, but at least I don't have the label, at least to myself, that I'm a quitter or that I failed at this career because I've gone and told everyone I want to do acting. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to win an Oscar. I'm going to do all of this. Now I've got to turn around and say, lol, guys, I quit. How's that going to feel? Oh my God, I'm going to feel like a failure. That's a huge problem that we have in our society. What the fuck is wrong with failing and quitting? I love quitting at things that don't work for me. It's such a relief. It is such a liberating feeling quitting something that doesn't serve you. And if you haven't done it yet, try it. It's fucking, it's good. It's fucking good. And once you've done it, you think, oh my God, why didn't I do this earlier? Because of what? Because you're avoiding what people are going to say. But people are going to talk anyway. Go buy them a fucking packet of Tim Tams and some tea and say, enjoy your beautiful chat about my life. Have fun while I actually go off and actually enjoy my time and not be crippled with anxiety about something that I don't want to do anymore. But I'm so terrified of this label of being a quitter or, or being a failure. We have such a stigma around failure. And it comes down to this hustle culture, this glorification of being busy. Like what the fuck is the point of being busy if it's causing your mental health to take a swift decline? I'm over it. I'm over it. Stop being busy on something that doesn't serve you. Be busy on something that you love. For sure, whatever. Do what you want. But this idea that you have to hustle, hustle, hustle. Why? Why? And, and we're breeding it into the, every generation, a hustle, if you want to get hustle. Why can't you just have a balanced life that you enjoy? Is that such a sin? Is it so bad to just enjoy your life and have time off? People get so caught up in this, in this glorification of busy and hustling that they think if I'm not, if I don't have a fucking startup or a, my own business or this or that, then what am I doing with my life? And it makes people think that they're not living their their ideal life or the life that they should be living because they haven't done these things or because they're not doing these things. And then people get stuck in this cycle of feeling that they're not doing enough, which then makes them feel that they are not enough. Very unhealthy and so unnecessary. And it achieves nothing. It achieves nothing. Because when you do get into that lifestyle of constantly proving that you're busy to everyone, you're still not happy. And these mental health problems or these mood disorders that you might have had initially don't go away. If anything, they get worse. Okay. So my invitation to you is to learn how to love quitting at things that don't serve you and realize how liberating that feeling is. Getting to love the idea that you don't have to be busy all the time and that failing at something is not only normal, but it's good. It's good for you to fail at something. You want to perceive failure as inevitable in your life. It comes just as often, if not more often than successes. So get comfortable and get used to failing. It's part of your life. I was listening to this very great interview with the founder of Spanx, Sarah Blakely is her name, and she was talking about how her father would always ask her and her siblings what they failed at that day. That was something that he would ask them at the end of the day. What did you fail at today? Every single day. And if they said nothing, he would be a little bit bummed to the point that her and her siblings would rush home and be like, guess what? I tried out at something and I was terrible at it. And they were almost ex- like the kids would be excited about it because they had something to tell their dad. Oh, look, I gave this a go and I was shit house. And the dad would be like, that's amazing. That's so good. So then she talks about how she learned to get so used to failing to the point where she not only avoid, not only didn't 
feel that she had to avoid it, but she'd look at it as part of her day. So in life, there would be wins and there would be failures and there would be a failed attempt at something. And because of this, she would only be disappointed if she didn't just attempt something, you know, and it didn't have to be something big. It could be fucking anything. She tried out for this team here. She tried to whatever. It doesn't matter. For her, she only perceived failure as this thing that we, you know, we look at so terribly as just not having tried something. She looked at trying out for things or giving something a go, whether it failed or succeeded, just the trying was the success, okay? And that's what her father was trying to instill in her, to not be so aversive to failure, to look at failure as something that you almost seek as a learning opportunity, okay? So... That's what I want you guys to do. Start getting really comfortable with failure as something that it just is. It's it's a constant in our lives. And and not to look at it as this like, oh my God, you know. I mean, even the word failure with there's so much loaded around it that, you know, you don't even have to use the word failure if you don't want to. But it's this idea of like it is just part of your life and start partaking in more smaller attempts at things that you might not be good at and you might fail at so you get more and more comfortable with that feeling of, oh, I didn't work out, but I tried something. That's, that's all really that I aimed to do was to give something a go. Now, I'm obviously, obviously not standing here trying to tell you, oh, guys, just be thrilled when your biggest dreams come crashing down in front of you. That's amazing. I'm not saying that. This, that's, I'm not trying to be one of those fuckwits that just try and sell you that you can be thrilled with absolutely everything that's happening and you should be happy all the fucking time. No, 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 no. Okay? But I am here to tell you that you can separate your sense of self to what it is that you are doing in your life. And there's always something that can be gained in, in big things, you're probably not going to gain anything in that moment. And that's normal and that's fine. You always have to process the feelings. If we're talking about you trying out for something that you feel that your whole career was, you know, hinging on and it didn't happen for you, you need to take the time to process that, obviously, and kind of regroup. I'm not saying this is amazing. It's not going to feel that way in that moment. But you can start to learn how to separate who you are as a person and what your value is to what you just tried to accomplish that didn't work out for you, okay? Failure also serves, especially in those big times in your life, it serves as a great reset for you. And I love hitting that reset button in many times in my life. Even when it was unpleasant, it still serves as an opportunity for a fresh start. And a fresh start is always welcome, I think, in in most people's lives, you know. So for me, for example, the best fresh starts have been in failed relationships. Um, Things that I thought this is going to be, this is the person I'm with forever. It's the be all end all. I love them so much. And then it's failed. And that was my biggest teacher and my biggest mover. It forced me to do things or become things that would have that would have never happened any other way. It forced me to, and this is the beauty of it, it actually forced me to quit things that weren't serving for me because I was able to put things into perspective. There was a lot that I gained from it. So while I was not happy in the moment and while I couldn't see the silver lining in the moment, in the following months and years, there was a lot to get out of it. So now when something happens that really doesn't work for me, I just say to myself, I can't wait till I'm looking back on this moment, seeing all the silver linings that were here right now that I just can't see. So I just kind of have this view of like, I know it's coming and it's fucking annoying that I can't see it right now, but I know it's on the horizon. Like it's there. 
Um, so that's kind of when something big happens, like a breakup or, you know, you lost the job of your dreams or whatever. Just have that moment of like that pep talk to yourself, just saying like this there is so much that will come of this, but I don't have to say it right now. And I can have my moment to process it and it is what it is. But also it is inevitable that things are going to fail in my life and I can't tie my identity to attaining these things that I've just lost because then who am I if I lose it all? I'm still here, so it's obviously not that. So now that I've spoken about our kind of society's weirdness around how bad failing is and how bad quitting is, quote unquote. And I've spoken about loss aversion. I'm wanting you guys to realize how much hating losses or hating failure is going to make you lose out more. It causes you to lose more time when you're working on a dream. You know, you don't know if you want that dream so much versus you you thinking, oh, I need to keep pursuing it because I've just spent 10 years really like slogging it out on this thing that hasn't worked for me. Now I can't turn around and say, hey guys, all you guys that helped me try and get to where I am, all you guys that gave me financial or emotional support to be there, I'm quitting. People people are there for you because they want to be there for you. You should never stick something out thinking that people are going to turn around and be like, oh, you've decided that you quit even though I've helped you get here. I don't, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm not going to, you know, support you anymore. That's not how it works. Normal people, at least, who have a head screwed on, support you because they love you. It's not because they're supporting you because that thing has to work. They're doing it because they care about you. And then if you go and turn around and try something else, if they're a good relative or a good friend, they're just going to support you in where you need support and you should be the same toward them. So it's not like you should think, oh, I've, I've spent all these resources, now I absolutely have to keep going. That's like this that gambling analogy that I used before. You're also going to lose out on time in a job where you're worried to start somewhere new and start somewhere from scratch despite all the gains that you might have emotionally and in your life by having a new career or studying something new. You're going to lose time in relationships. When a relationship is done, people stay so much longer because they don't want to admit that they've wasted, quote unquote, wasted time. You know, and it also causes people to freak out with life timelines. And this is especially, this happens with everybody, but especially for women when it comes to children and are they going to reproduce or not, you know? This, oh, you're a ticking time clock. You know, your clock is ticking. Your fucking clock is ticking. Fuck the clock. Fuck the ticking, okay? It's like we are aware, women in general are aware that menopause is a thing, okay? But to have this looming thing constantly is just so unhealthy. It's ridiculous, it's just ridiculous. And because of that, women in general focus on this loss aversion. Oh, I've lost all this time. You know, I haven't found a part yet, partner yet. Now I need to fucking settle down. I need to find a partner and have kids. I need to find a partner and have kids. And they repeat that again and again and again because they're worried about this clock that they've got, quote unquote, ticking away, which is their time before they hit menopause. But because of this, because of this stress, it then stops so many women from experiencing other things that they want to experience in their life. Like say you had a relationship and it breaks down and now you're 35, all right? Hypothetically, you're 35. You might think, oh, if this happened when I was 25, I would go live a year abroad. But I can't do that now because now I need to find someone and now I need to... That's all loss aversion. 
Okay. That's this thing that like now I really have to get my shit together and settle down so I can have children before I hit menopause. So then you stop experiencing things in your life. You stop going for the things that are going to truly make you happy and you start cock blocking yourself from achieving the things that are actually going to bring you joy, that are actually going to help you enjoy your life. Okay. That is all loss aversion. You see a loss and to to um, stop more loss from occurring or to try and recover that loss, you start living in a more um, in a way that's not serving you. You either take big risks towards something that doesn't serve you anyway or you stop taking opportunities somewhere else. Okay, that's what happens. This idea of I can't take this big decision because it's too late now. I can't change my careers because it's too late now. This idea of it's too late. So you think it's too late to be doing all this all this stuff now. I should be spending every second of my time finding someone and starting a family. So because of that, you don't take that job. You don't start studying again. You don't go overseas for that trip. You don't whatever, you know. And I think that's really sad because we've got this fear with a timeline in our life. And I think that so much in our life is not in our control. Take the fucking job. Take that course. Go and move. Because I can guarantee you, when you are happy and comfortable within yourself, things unfold in ways that you don't even imagine. You start to meet people that align with you so much better. If you're sitting here festering and festering and festering that you've got to fucking, you know, hurry up and start this family when you haven't even met somebody, I can guarantee you, you're going to make it 10 times harder for yourself then if you're at uni starting that new course or at this new job where you're meeting new people, even if the money is less or over in Paris, fucking having a cigarette on a balcony. And no, I'm not condoning smoking. That's just an analogy of what I did. Good times, good times. So basically, I hope that this has given you a little bit of insight and make you think about failure a little bit differently and also make you think about losses a little bit differently. And what I want you to do, there's a couple of things I want you to look at or to do. And number one, The first thing that I want you to think about is how to learn how to take more calculated risks. In other words, learn that losing something is a strong possibility. So you don't waste too much time fearing the loss or protecting that thing where your focus should be elsewhere. If you're always in this state of mind that you cannot lose, you cannot lose, then your loss aversion is going to be a lot worse. If you set out to do something, have a set budget or time where you like, I am willing to lose that. And not only am I willing to lose that, but I am loosely prepared to lose it. It's like, I'm cool with losing that. Yeah, it will suck. It's not ideal, but I'm, I'm cool with losing it because I understand that life is a numbers game. I'm going to win some and I'm going to lose some. So it's impossible to get by through life without losing anything. That's just ridiculous unless I sit at home and do nothing and then I lose out on living my life. So a calculated risk is the best thing you can do. Obviously, it's a lot easier to take that decision to look at your look at what you're willing to lose and to embark on it at the beginning of something, of course, than it is when you're in it. But when you're in it, I also want you to look at, you know, like put something into perspective and ask yourself, if I was not in this position and I could and I could take it back to the beginning, would I like to see myself where I am today? Would I tell myself, babe, just cut your losses, cut your fucking losses and start something new? Or would I tell myself to just keep suffering and suffering and suffering in something that's not making me happy? Sometimes you need to pull yourself out of where you are and look at the bigger picture in life and think in the scheme of things, in the scheme of life, is it actually worth sticking it out when it's never going to make me happy or it's never going to make me more money? or I'm never going to regain these relationships that I lost, is it worth sticking it out or 
Am I worth trying something else, letting it go, cutting my losses and feeling a huge sense of relief? Which brings me to number two. Ask yourself always, what can I be relieved about? In so many things, obviously with the exception of the death of somebody in your life, I would suppose, in most things when we lose something, we can find a relief or a weight that's been lifted off your shoulders, okay? Or you could always ask yourself, what good could come from this? And you, in most cases, when you lose a relationship or a job or money, something somewhere can be gained instead. And a lot of the time, it's peace of mind. And going back to that whole like con artists and, and swindlers and whatever, a lot of them feel relieved when they get convicted and go to prison because they're no longer in that crazy, they're no longer living this lie that's consuming them and sending them into this like psychological spiral, okay? So it's even Bernie Madoff said it, that he felt so much more relaxed when he was in prison because he was like, the truth is finally out or I no longer have to continue this lie or I no, no longer have to keep digging myself into this hole. And luckily for us, we're not these crazy huge con artists that are like sitting about to be, you know, sent to prison. It's, the stakes are not that high. So look at your life and think, what can I let go of to then be like, oh, thank God that's no longer, like I'm not a prisoner to my own thoughts. I'm not holding myself hostage to this lifestyle or this behavior anymore, okay? Or this relationship or this fucking job, okay? Ask yourself, what could I be relieved about if I were to turn things around and cut my losses? And then the last one, always ask yourself, what is something that I could do now that I didn't have the opportunity or I wouldn't have the opportunity to do it if I stay doing what I'm doing? You always have to look into the possibilities of what's available for you to make you feel a lot lighter and to make you feel, wait a minute, why am I touching so much of myself, my sense of self to this, when there's so many things that could be possible if I was to let go of this one thing? Remove your identity to what it is that you're doing or who it is that you're dating, okay? Yes, it's a huge part of your life, but it's not you because if it was you, when that thing dissolves, you would dissolve and you don't. So it's not who you are. It's a part of your life for as long as you choose to make it, okay? And it's not an easy journey for a lot of the things and I'm not saying that you've got to be thrilled the whole way through, but it's a process and it's a process that's going to serve you big time in the long term. Okay, so to summarize, you know, go back and and look at all those key points about what loss aversion is and also think about the importance of accepting failure as inevitable in your life and it's just going to happen and seek out ways that you can try, try, you know, trial and error at things in your life to make you feel a lot more comfortable around the notion of failure and something not working out for you. If you look at things as being as a numbers game, things work, things don't, that's just reality. You're going to be a lot calmer when things don't work out, okay? And fuck what people say. You know what? People do it all the time. We, you sitting there, have probably once, if not many times, engaged in a conversation about how something didn't work out for someone else. Oh my God, that didn't work out. They really tried. Oh my God. Did you actually think terribly of them? Even when people bitch about other people, they probably don't even hate you. They just want something to talk about because they're bored and it's entertaining. Okay. So when, when I hear that, if someone's spoken about me behind my back, I literally just think they probably just needed entertainment in the moment. I don't really, I'm not going to let that affect my decision for my life because someone wanted entertainment and they wanted to pacify their boredom. Okay. It's fine. If people want to gossip behind my back, it's not the end of the world. I don't even dislike them. It is what it is because we've all done it. So I don't really care if it happens 
if I'm on the receiving end of that gossip. Okay? That's how you want to look at it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I love you so much. I really want this to make you feel better about, you know, cutting your losses and quitting while you're ahead and doing the things that are going to make you feel better. You don't have to hustle like a psychopath. You don't have to work, 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 you know, quitting, quitting is this, quitting is that. Fuck that. Fuck that. Have some balance. Create some relief for yourself. Take the weight off your shoulders and go and, you know, have some moments in your day where you're just enjoying a beautiful coffee or an ice cream or whatever it is that you want to enjoy. A gelato. Anyway, that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I love you so much. Excited for this. lol you're going to see me filming the podcast in the very near future so that's that's a journey a journey that we're all going to be on thank you guys for listening i adore you to the moon and back and i'll speak to you next week love you so much as always remember be kind to yourselves be kind to your brains don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself don't care